Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Good morning. I've got a bit of a cold this morning, so I hope you can uh, put up with my uh, croaky voice. But let's get on with it. Um, heaps of videos, heaps of really good videos, great YouTube videos been coming in. Um, I'm going to cover those off a little bit later and... Uh, sort of explain to you what I intend to do with those videos, and more, more importantly, the people who are actually put, pitching them up to us, um, and uh, take you through that process, which we hope to launch next week. Um, I'm going to talk to you also about uh, a question that lots of people always ask me, and I don't know why they ask me, but uh, now I've been thinking about it, I know, now know why they ask me, what movies do I really like, Why and why am I influenced by those movies? Um now, I'm not talking about Minions, which I took my godson to see the other day. Um, I'm talking about um, movies that sort of strike a chord with me. So I'll cover those off. This week's top five. First and foremost, though, what's happening on the uh, economic front in Australia? Well, there's no economic news this week. There we go. Dead week. What is interesting to me is the newspapers still find... Uh, have the capacity to fill their pages up when there's been no economic data come out, which says a lot because, of course, they want you to buy the newspaper. But one of the one piece of economic data did come out was the uh, housing price index, the uh, in particular the Sydney index. Um, as you would expect, Sydney has risen um, 3.1 percent. It rose in the March quarter in 2015 and 13.1 in the previous year. According to the ABS statistics, um, Melbourne and everywhere else for that matter are re- relatively speaking flat. So this, um, you know, big property boom that uh, we keep reading about is really only happening in Sydney, and in Sydney it's only really happening in certain areas. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, as the Reserve Bank governor said last week, uh, look, I'm not, I can't be interested in an asset price increase, particularly when it's only regionalised, and that is it only relates to one place because he's interested in the national averages, what's going on in Australia across the board. So what that means is if Sydney's the only place that's really rising faster than everywhere else, um, interest rates will continue to go down irrespective of the so-called boom because it's only regionalised. It's the house price increases are only regionalised and now the stats are saying exactly that. So it's only happening in Sydney... And that's the end of it. I will add one more thing to all this, and I think for those people who are interested in price, uh, house prices, don't forget 
House prices are a function of demand and supply. That's why Sydney house prices are higher than everywhere else because all the jobs are in Sydney and we are about 120,000 short of um, meeting the supply. So that's always going to put pressure on house prices. But one thing that is happening at the moment is in the banking system. Um, Lenders are making it pretty clear, banks are making it pretty clear that there are a whole lot of new rules that apply to residential investment lending. Most banks now will only lend up to 80% on investment loans. Uh, That's the first thing. Second thing now is when they assess uh, your ability to repay the mortgage, that is everyone's ability to repay the mortgage, and decide how much they're going to lend to you, they are now using around an interest rate of around 7%, notwithstanding interest rates are much lower. So they're going to assess your ability to pay interest at 7%, not at 4.5% or 5%, which means ultimately, and there are a number of other um, initiatives that have been brought in by the banks, what this ultimately means is simple, that the banks will be lending less per transaction. So whereas before, maybe six months ago, they would lend you on a house to buy a house or a a reinvestment apartment for $500,000, they might lend you $450,000. Today, just by way of example, they're probably going to say, we're only going to lend you $390,000. Now, if the banks will only lend you $390,000, that means you've got to put in on that $500,000 price, you've got to put in one hundred and ten. If you don't have the one hundred and ten, or if the marketplace does not have one hundred and ten, what that simply means is this, that $500,000 apartment will not be sold for $500,000, it'll be sold for some other lower number, four fifty, four sixty, whatever. So what I'm trying to say here is that this will have a net effect when it comes to residential investment pricing to reduce the price of properties in this city because funders are not prepared to lend the same amount of money per transaction as they used to. That's a big change. That's a, that's a massive change in the banking system in this country. And uh, largely what has been brought about is by the regulator putting pressure on banks to protect their balance sheets. New phenomenon, hasn't actually started yet, kicked in this month, and it's going to continue on, and I don't think you're going to see a change around that for a long time. The other thing I should mention to you too is I think you'll soon see pricing interest rate pricing different between two categories. So if you're an owner-occupier, you'll get a lower interest rate than you will get if you're an investment buyer. So if you're buying probably for investment purposes, not only will you be able to borrow less, but they're going to charge you more. So there's going to be differential pricing in the marketplace within between here and Christmas. So um, you all want to consider now uh, whether you want to fix your interest rates because there's going to be some restructuring in the way lending occurs and the money, the amount of money you have to pay for the price you pay for it. Okay, let's move on. I got. I just want to. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six um, YouTube videos or Vimeos that come in different formats, which I want to discuss with you. We've chosen out of like. 30 or 40 we received over the last week. Um, th- these ones, I think, are, they bear, bear mention and discussion and um, and probably viewing to the, if you're able to view them um, for a whole number of reasons, some of which are more uh, more around what you shouldn't do or what you need to do and, uh, and, and on other occasions about uh, giving these people a pat on the back for the quality that they sent in. So... The first one is, uh, and, and please uh, excuse me if I get your names wrong because I haven't heard you pronounce it, I'm only reading it, but it's Apolong Ivanikovic. Um, and he has a business called Talk, T-O-R-Q, software. Um, Apollon um, 
um, fell from one-storey building and uh, landed on his head as a teenager and uh, actually considered it as a, a privilege to work. Um, but what he's done as a result of having had this accident, he's worked out a way of not having to strain his neck when he's using uh, smart devices or his PC, etc. And uh, he's come up with this idea of visual touchscreens and um, he says that he looks, he's looking for a, he's a small startup and he's looking for seed capital. He looks, he's looking for investment, contacts and mentorship. In other words, he wants the whole thing. He needs a partner. That's the basic thing. Now, look, he's, he's, let's talk about his pitch. His pitch was pretty good. It seemed like it's, there is demand for it. I mean, you know, it struck a chord with me. I mean, I'm always walking around with my head down. I actually have this view that in the next 20 years, we're going to have Australians or people around the world are going to have all sorts of neck problems caused by um, looking down at a screen all the time. I get it myself. I get finger problems too, actually, from touching the keypad. Um, so there is demand for it. It immediately struck a chord with me. So he actually pitched quite well. But the question is, is he doing something unique and new? And I was just talking to Jakey here, and Jakey says it's probably not the case. So, Jakey, take us through what your view on this is. My view is that the, there already exists the technology to be able to do this, and not just that, but you wouldn't necessarily need, you know, from my view, um, and I'm not necessarily an expert in this. But you're someone who might want to use it. Sure. And, I, I mean, it already exists in, in a sense that, you know, there's software available for iPad or PC that can pretty much do the same thing. On your iPad? Yeah, on your iPad. So you, you can transfer you know, you, your PC screen or your exactly. whole menu across to your iPad? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of um, software options like there's one called TeamViewer, um, VNC. It's basically just like a remote viewing software that as long as you're on the same Wi-Fi network, connect one device to the other. You can view one screen on the other, use one mouse on one keyboard and control another machine. So there's no reason why you can't sort of sit at your, your couch and pull up your iPad and you know, up there on your TV and control, use your iPad as the remote for the TV and, yeah, seems to already be there. Okay, Apollon, so, look, we may not be doing you justice in terms of the technological discussion we're having with you because there may be something we've missed or something, you know, you, in fairness to you, you've only sort of got a couple of minutes to pitch to us and um, and I'm, I'm sure you put a lot of time and effort into this and really know what you're doing. Um, if we've got it wrong, send us an email and explain to us, you know, what 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 we have got wrong. But more importantly, I think for you to take the view that you want to set this up your own, <clears throat> I think what you need to do, and someone like you, is you need to partner up with one of the big groups. I mean, I think you need to go to a hardware organisation or a software-hardware organisation and take your idea, which I presume you've patented or have some sort of uh, intellectual property right protection around, and take it along to somewhere and, and partner up with a partner um, who can actually add value to So. My view on a lot of things like this, particularly technology, is that if you're the inventor and you're the ideas person, and let's assume it's unique and it's new, my view on it is you need a partner who not only is going to put money into it, but more importantly can add real value to it and distribute for you. Um, and that's that, that's not a that's not someone who's what they call an angel investor. Uh, it's not a, um, um, a, a venture capitalist either. I think someone like you, you need firepower, mate. You need bench strength. You need a, a whole group of people around you to help you to develop everything around it. That's not only a marketing plan. It's not only the financial part of it. In other words, putting dough into it, but it's all the te- technological assistance you need with it. And so therefore, I- even if we got this wrong, you know, even if Jakey and I didn't really understand what quite the technological bent that you're trying to promote, irrespective of that, I think what you need to do is go along and find yourself a big partner who is interested in your idea and that will be your venture capitalist, so to speak, someone who's actually going to help build up your business. 
You won't be able to do it on your own. I think it's just too hard. But good on you. Congratulations. Fantastic. Mark, how would he do that? How would he find someone to, to be able to come in and do that? Is it a matter of literally knocking on doors and seeing who's interested? Um, yeah. I, I, I guess so. It's... it's I mean, I can only speak in the financial service industry. Well, I mean, I've got a technology business too. Yeah, effectively, that's what we do. I mean, we put our technology into, we beta tested our technology for free for about three years in at least a dozen places around the world. We went and installed it at our cost um, and, you know, we serviced it and managed it and changed it and upgraded it and, you know, there was a chance that we were never going to get a dollar out of it. And eventually we found people who thought it worked and were happy with it and, um, you know, we kept moving around. So it's it's door knocking, it's wearing out the shoe leather, it's uh, frustrating, it's annoying, um, but eventually you'll you'll get there if it's what the marketplace wants, uh, but not every time. I, I, I Look, I'm still involved in other businesses where we're still door knocking and we've been doing that for about six years now. It's, it's, you just got to keep going at it, and going at it, and going at it. It doesn't mean you'll get there, you know. But you got to, you won't get there if you don't keep going at it. So you have got to keep knocking on people's doors, and it's hard to get to the people like the big guys like Amazon and Google and it's Microsoft because it's hard to find the right person. But there is no real magic unless you know the the boss of Microsoft, Bill Gates. Um, you just got to keep pushing through the ranks, and hopefully someone's going to see it. Um, okay, Salome Borg. Um, I guess Borg Borg might be um, Maltese name, I think, Maltese surname. Um, Salome's actually put together a really good pitch. And uh, it's a pitch about pay band. Sort of very interesting. It's a, a debit card concept that is attached to a wristband. And there's a, I mean, I, she sent it to me on a private with a private uh, PIN number on on Vimeo, and I, I wish we could get her, I'm going to ask her, could she allow us to put it onto our website, because that would be fantastic. I, I mean, if you want to see how a pitch, a really good pitch looks, this is one of them. It's got light, colour, movement, it's interesting. She doesn't give me a great big spiel about who she is and where she went to school and all that sort of stuff. She gets straight into the pitch and gets my interest straight away. Um it's, it's technology based, so and she uses all the right language. She, you know, straight up, she's talking about innovation. Uses the word innovation, that strikes a chord with someone like me. Um, immediately, I, she got my attention. Now, I just, I, I want to just, just settle on this something right now. Don't, I don't think when you're doing a pitch, you should get in and say, look, you know, hi, Mark. I went to school at uh, St John's Lakemba, and you know, when I was fourteen. Um, you know, I thought to myself one day, I dreamed that I'm going to own this and I'm going to do that. I'm not sure if that's all that important to me looking at the pitch. I think the way to get into the pitch is do what Salome's done here, and that is to jump into the uh, product straight away and or the service straight away and get my attention. Now, I'm assuming here that you can actually do what she's done, that is ha- have some colour and light movement, some interesting stuff and a bit of music in the background, etc. Because if I want to, if I get excited about what I'm hearing in the pitch, I then will go back and Google you. Or I'll go back and find more, out more about you. I probably don't want to know about you until I know whether or not you're the product I'm interested in. Once you get me with interested in the product and the service, then I want to know more about you, who you are. I think that's a probably better way of doing. It. I don't think you should waste any time in your pitch, your YouTube pitch, or your Vimeo pitch, um, talking about where you grew up. I don't know if that's much value to me. Or to anyone for that matter, who's listen- anyone else who's listening to for that matter. 
So, and I think she's done a really good job. So, and the other thing that she's, uh, uh, Salome's done too is that language is important and speed of which the way you speak. So there was no arms and ahs. Um, she had well-constructed sentences. Um, she used the right language. In other words, she hit key words all the time. Key words were coming up all the time. And I don't know whether she did this purposefully or she just made up that way, but she, she was very, very professionally done and very well polished. Now, it wasn't done in a marketing sense. She wasn't marketing to me. It was just clever, well-structured stuff. And, uh, and then she had a background. It was an interesting background. Um, she had some slides that are going through it. You know, she talked about her pricing policy. So she'd come up with the, the, the paragraphing or the, the – the, the, it was like a chapter – on pricing, a chapter on something else. There's a chapter on something. There's five chapters. She did a really good job. So I, I regard her pitch very well. Now, in terms of what she's pr- uh, promoting, I'm going to actually get her in here in the next couple of weeks because she's someone I want to talk to a bit more. I'm going to ask her a lot of questions. Um, but her main point was she's asking a question about advisory boards. At what point do you get an advisory board? Um, now, an advisory board, for those of you listening, is uh, usually made up of a, a, probably a finance person, a technology person, and maybe a distribution or marketing person. So you could have three people. You could have one person doing two roles or you know, two people doing the three roles. Um, an advisory board sits on the side. In other words, they're not on her board, not her company, not on her company board. They're usually not shareholders. They're not. Um, they uh, usually tend to be independent. They tend to be people who are. Um, uh, come from various walks of life um, and uh, either commentators or alternatively experts in their field. They could be you know, university professors. They could be someone who's done this before and is retired. You know, I've seen Bob Mansfield do this sort of stuff, the ex-Telstra guy. Um, a lot of retired people do, uh, play these roles. So an advisory board is actually a very valuable thing. Point is that you have to pay them. They won't do it for nothing. Sometimes you might get them. They're very close to the so-called mentorships, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. They could be classed as a mentor, but they are advisors. The best role of an advisory board person is to ask questions, not to answer questions. So, you know, usually an advisory board sits there and asks you, the promoter, the proprietor, questions about what it is you're doing, and they sort of put the asset on you, and they probably meet you once a quarter or once every six weeks. So to answer your question, Salome, um, about when you should have an advisory board, um, I think the way it would work, the way I would do it is I would actually, once I've got my product packaged up, in your case, the uh, the band, the pay band, it, and uh, once you've got it uh, ready to roll out, in other words, ready to get funded, ready to get manufactured, uh, ready to promote and distribute, and you've got all your intellectual property tied up somehow. That's when you get your pay, uh, your uh, uh, advisory board on, on in place. The question is, how am I going to pay the advisory board? Some people offer the advisory board equity, but it's what they call synthetic equity. It's not really equity in the business. They don't own anything. But what it is, it's um, they call it shadow equity sometimes. Basically what it means is that um, they say, okay, if I sell this business in five years' time, Mr. Advisor, or Mrs. Advisor, um, and if I sell it for $1 million, you'll get, of the proceeds, 1%. That's just an example. might not be 1%, might be half percent. It could be 25%, whatever you choose. Um, but they don't actually have any right to vote. 
because they're not equity holders. They don't have any voting rights. They're not on a director's board, so they've got no responsibilities. They've got no liabilities either, which is important for advisors. They don't want to have any responsibility. They don't want to have – if something goes wrong, they don't want to be responsible to you or to the creditors. Um, and so it's called synthetic equity in that they don't have real equity, but they have like an economic interest in the event that this thing's successful. That's one way of paying them. Another way of paying them is just pay them dough, like pay them every week or every month or a retainer or a combination of the two. And different – People who go on these advisory advisory boards are looking for different things. So if, generally speaking, if someone who's retired, maybe they've got enough money, they're looking for it as an interest and looking for some big kicker in the event that this turns out to be the next Twitter. So they're the sorts of things you are looking for in an advisor in terms of compensation. And I'd say this, the better the compensation you offer, generally speaking, the, the better advice you're going to get. But now I think it's the time from what you've pitched to me for your advisory board to be put in place. So I'd like to see you in here in a couple of weeks' time. So we'll get in contact with you and try and get you in here. And what we'd like to do is be able to put your uh, pitch up on our website because for others to look at because I think it's excellent, excellent pitch. Um, the next one was Maria Damasi. Um, Maria's done, again, has done a really good pitch, very polished um, uh, and individualised. Uh, Maria's... Um, um, producing children's books, teaching virtues to children between five and nine years old. I'm not sure why five and nine, but anyway, instead of four and ten. But uh, it doesn't really matter. I guess there might be some um, uh, uh, some sort of psychology attached to it all. I'd like to understand the psychology of it all. Um, I, look, I, I think it's a virtuous thing to teach children virtues. Um, unfortunately, these days we don't hear enough about those words virtues or you know, uh, in, in the in a proper sense, uh, you know, we don't get taught them by looking on Google. We don't get taught those by watching kids. They get taught those things by watching uh, TV first thing in the morning, like Dora the Explorer. So, although Dora the Explorer is sort of a little bit about virtues, but I think parents and school teachers and educational institutions need to have this sort of a, a positive view on virtues. Um, she's asking me. So her books are about that. She uh, Maria's asking me. She needs a digital marketing plan. Um, well, I, yeah, I guess your question really is, how do I get a digital marketing plan? Well, you need to go see a digital marketing person. Uh, that's not me. I'm not a digital marketing person, but uh, there are stacks and stacks of them around. Um, and the reason Maria wants a digital marketing person is because she's an online business. So she can cut out a whole lot of costs by being online. She doesn't have to pay rent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she needs someone to build awareness about her program, her books, and a digital marketing plan is someone who adver- puts ads, for example, onto 9MSN and finds out who the audience at 9MSN is that um, wants to um, buy these books for children of five to nine-year-old. It could be parents with kids at that age group. It could be school teachers. It could be education institutions. I don't know. It, like, but you need someone to do the research to find out how to direct the marketing plan to that particular class of people, your audience, who will buy the book. So a digital marketing person is someone who's very good at research and is very good at executing a marketing plan in the digital world. Um, but they are specialists. Um, they're not hard to find. There's stacks and stacks of them. Um, uh, generally speaking, by the way, I should add, if you go to a, a digital advertising medium like 9MSN, for example, is a good one, Yahoo, they're all the same, sometimes actually have people in there who can build a digital strategy for you if you actually commit to spending money with them. So I know 9MSN does it. They have a thing called MI9, um, which does this sort of stuff. Generally speaking, there's no extra money. They're just happy to do it because 
they want you to spend their, your digital marketing dollars with them. Um, a digital marketing plan can be quite expensive though. Um, and by the way, this all dovetails back into your website, so, you know, and your business name. And uh, there's a whole lot of um, complex algorithms that go around digital marketing because digital marketing is about what comes up, comes up on the screen when someone actually types in something. Um, or, or alternatively, it's mathematically based in terms of making sure that when someone like Jake goes on to the internet to look up something, if Jake is your customer, that you somehow jam your media, your marketing plan into Jake. So it's uh, quite complicated and you need really good specialists to build this up. Can I make a suggestion on that? <clears throat> something I've seen just on a, you know, just on starting out with digital marketing might be worth suggesting that she buy some, like have a small budget of, you know, a couple hundred bucks and purchase some ads on Facebook. Yeah. Real easy to do. Mm -hmm. See what the success is like on, you know, it's on basically just making some ads for Facebook, spend a couple hundred bucks, um, pop in your demographic process is really easy. You know, every social media one has one, Twitter, Facebook, um, Google has their own, like it's AdWords. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can Try do that for a couple hundred bucks a week. It's not yeah. expensive. You could spend whatever you want, 50 bucks for one ad to see if you get any kind of input back or, you know, a thousand bucks if you want, you know, a thousand ads or whatever it is. So, so Jakey, like, okay, so where does she go? Like, I mean, let, let, can you go, can you type in what into currently into Google to say, how do I do this? I mean, is there, I mean what would you type in to uh, a search I'll engine? To find I'd, prob yeah. I'd probably choose my, my, um, my platform first. So I go, I want to get some Facebook ads because you know, I can target my specific audience, whether it be my Facebook followers that are already, you know, liking my page. And just scroll to the bottom of the Facebook and it, I think it just says advertise with us. Yeah, or yeah, Or just yeah. Facebook advertising. Okay, so you should go straight into Facebook. Yep, log okay. in on your account and just go create some ads. And, and what about if she's looking for other places to go? To add to Facebook. Okay, so Twitter, similar thing, advertise with Twitter. You can, yep. you know, have some sponsored tweets. So um, what you should type, let's like say she, Twitter ads, you know, um, so advertise on Twitter. So how do I advertise on Twitter? Yeah. How do I advertise on Facebook? Yep. How do I advertise on blah, blah, blah? Yep. Just, that's the starting point. Yeah. And just see what comes back. Yep. And then just follow the advice on, on, follow the advice on the search engine. Yep. There's so much, on, there's so much resources online for, for small business self-marketing, especially in the digital space, because... Uh, you know, there's not the overheads of billboard advertising or radio ads. It's all very, you know, if you've got your, your ad and your message, you know, it's easy and you can do it yourself. It's great to know that it's easy though, because I think so many people think about digital and they think, God, I just don't know anything about it. I don't know how to, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how to do that. So I mean, it can be complicated, but it also can be simple. And if, I mean, my, my suggestion is something that's worth, worked well with, with my audio business in the past is, you know, a small budget on targeted Facebook um, advertising. Did you, and you got hits from it? Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. In other words, all those people who are interested in buying books from, for, for children from not five to nine years of age. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, you could target just, um, you know, females between the ages of 30 and 35 mm. in the Sydney area, target those, how many of those people do you want to reach? And it'll say, you know, do you want to reach 100 people? And you go, well, that'll be X amount of dollars. Do you want to reach 1,000 people? And then it'll be that amount of dollars. And so you just, just choose it. Okay, good then advice. You get, then you get the analytics back of, you know, how many people click like and how many new followers you've got and how many people clicked on your ad and when and what time. And, yeah, and then she's got to start to build an algorithm around, or not an algorithm, I shouldn't say that, but then she's got to start to build some smarts around all that. Yeah. And then work out what works and what doesn't work and then just then just uh, zoom in on what works. Yeah. Okay, good on you, Jackie. Now, we've got another one here from a uh, difficult name here. Chantal's not difficult, but the surname's uh, Horonyuski, I think it is, and she's got this thing called the Magnus Collective. Um. Great idea. Again, highly polished, well-presented pitch. 
hit all the right words um, and came up with a good idea that isn't that looks like is demand driven. That is um, online artworks. So artworks being sold online from emerging artists, cheap or I should say affordable pricing, um, interesting artwork, good idea because you're supporting emerging artists, which is a great thing, um, and it's it sort of. Uh, could end up being a good investment if you, you know, if you if you fluke one, you know, I don't know how how easy that is to fluke one, but at the end of the day, you, you're choosing something you like anyway, and it's going you're going to put up on your wall, so you should be happy with that, assuming that the price is right. So I think actually it's really a really good idea, um, and I, I, what is she looking for now, uh, Jess? She wants some again. She needs a marketing budget. So she's uh, she, it, was, it was such a great pitch, as you said, so polished, and then and then she sort of finished it with, "I need a marketing budget." Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. Um, mm. So I, I'd like you to send us a note, tell us what you mean by that, uh, because I, I don't know what a marketing budget means. Are you, are you looking for money, or are you looking for someone to help you build a budget as to how much money you need, or are you looking for somebody to help you build a budget and work out what a marketing plan attached to that looks like? And is it a digital marketing plan? We just talked about one now with Jake here. Um, you know, what's are you looking for a digital marketing plan? You're looking for an overall marketing plan, which includes digital and non-digital. Um, yeah, I, I just think that was a great pitch. I mean, you pitch your idea really, really well, and you really set it out well. It's quite interesting the way you did it. But just that last question wasn't clear enough as to what you wanted. Look, the bottom line with these pitches is you're you are trying to sell. There is a sell moment. There's a money moment. And the money moment is when you ask, tell me what it is you want or tell whoever you're pitching to what is it you want. And it's got to be clear to them what it is that you want. You can't let them walk away not knowing what it is you're actually after. And I think on this occasion, you did such a great job. Um, you just let yourself down right at the end um, because you didn't hit the money moment. That's the kill. That's the shot. That's the one you've got to nail, that last thing. This is what I'm looking for. How much? What for? What am I going to use it for? And what's the context? So, Chantal, great, great work. Magnus Collective looks like a great idea, um, but you need to give me a little bit more right at the end. Now, look, so, look, well, I haven't got time to get through, through the rest of my got Three or four more to go. But what we're going to do is um, we're going to launch a business. We're going to call this business Eagle's Nest. And the reason I want to call it Eagle's Nest is because eagles fly highest. They're the highest flying bird. Um, and and uh, therefore, all you want to be high flyers, and I think that's cool. And Nest, I'm going to call it Nest because I want it to be something the opposite to the shark's tank or the, lion, or the dragon's den. In other words, a nest is where you nurture people, where you help them, where you encourage them, where you listen to them, where you give them constructive criticism where you give them something that will help them go forward and hopefully uh, realise what their dreams are. Now, do you really want – I mean, I can't understand who would want – I, mean, I shouldn't ask you, do you really? I don't know who would want to be actually thrown into a shark's tank where the white point is going to tear your head off or a dragon's den where you're going to get annihilated. Which entrepreneur, which startup person, which person who's – trying to crank their business, is ever going to want to go into some TV show in front of bright lights and pitch up in front of some entrepreneurs, so-called investors, and get torn apart. I don't understand who the hell would want to do that. What should be happening, and I've said it before, is that this country, and by the way, the media, 
should be providing encouragement. They should be providing nurturing for these entrepreneurs, these small business owners and these startups, such that in line with what the government's advertising on television at the moment, we can actually build the small business community, who hopefully will end up being large business community in the Australian economy to help the Australian economy on. So we need more encouragement, more nurturing, more maintenance of our entrepreneurs and our small business owners. What we don't need is sharks tearing them apart and dragons breathing fire all over them. I make no apologies for this is the absolute opposite to what happens in the shark's tank because you jump in the shark's tank, you get mauled to death. You jump in the dragon's den, you get fire breathed all over and you get burnt to death. Um, And I don't think that's where people with great little businesses want to end up. They'd rather end up flying high and being looked after and nurtured. So Eagle's Nest is going to be launched next week, is it, guys? Next week, Mark. Okay, so we're going to launch it next week. We're going to get two people in next week. Um, We're going to uh, film it. We're going to talk to them about their ideas and I'm going to try and help them do better at what they're doing. And what I hope to do is if they're trying to raise money is to find someone who can put the money into there. Now, we're going to run this over how many weeks, Nick? Ongoing. Ongoing, yeah, because we're going to give $10,000 prize Ten thousand dollar prize and also um, some 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 technology as well to help them with their business. Okay, so we're going to we're going to build a technology package. We're going to give them ten thousand dollars in cash. We're going to run this over. Let's say let's let's run it over to for the next twelve weeks. Yep. Um, that way, we if we get two people in every two weeks, that's uh, twelve people. And out of that, we're going to choose one person. But what I'm but it's not just about that final prize. What I'm hoping to do is for every single person we get in here. I want to give them something to take away. I want them to give them some sort of understanding or ideas or encouragement or help or assistance in some way. And what's important is that you who are listening to this and are watching it will say, yeah, no, hang on, that's something that I'm doing. I can learn from that. And Eagle's Nest is about sharing the learning, sharing the experiences, um, uh, sharing the encouragement and actually feeling like all the time and effort we put into something over the the last six months, the last six years, whatever it is we've been doing is actually worthwhile. We've got to go away thinking we're worthwhile individuals, not that we're some sort of piece of shit that's actually been shat on from above by some smart-ass um, entrepreneur who thinks that uh, they're better than you are. So what we're here to do is actually give you a helping hand. So that's going to be next week, our first one, Eagle's Nest, launched next week. Okay, well, this week, I, this week, I mean, every week I'm thinking about something, but one of the things that's been occupying my mind this week is uh, this concept of mentorship. I keep getting asked, I mean, I get asked six, seven times a day from various people by email or in person, would I mentor them? And I don't really know what they mean by mentorship. I, I think mentorship's sort of become a term of art now and it's so regularly regularly used that it's uh, people don't even know what they're talking about. Um, they don't really know what they're asking about. It's a bit like networking. Um, you know, networking is a similar sort of thing. It just it's become overused and very badly executed. So my view on mentorship is this. I mean, if you're looking for someone to ask all the questions of, there is nobody who actually has all the answers. Um, and in particular, if you drill it down into any one particular business, 
there are very few people who can just actually be a mentor on the side. I mean, you might be they might be okay if they get involved in your business over a two-year period and they become advisors, like an advisory board we were talking about early, earlier. But someone who's just a, a sideline mentor, um, yeah, I don't know if it works. I, I, I think you need, in terms of mentors, I think what we need is not someone who's going to sit down and tell us the answers, but someone who's going to sit down there and ask us the questions. And that requires a lot of hands-on and it requires someone who has a lot of experience in the particular area you're in, and it actually requires someone to spend a lot of time with you to actually understand what the hell you're doing before they can actually ask the questions. So you need to be telling them a lot of stuff. They need to be just sitting there listening, and they need to build this um, this program up and this sort of depth of knowledge about your particular business and your particular style and who you are to understand your strengths and weaknesses over a long period of time. So mentorship is a difficult thing to achieve and very few people will actually agree to do it because of time constraints. So what are, you, what are the other ways that you can be uh, helped in your business through so-called mentorship? Well, a lot of people seek mentorship for inspiration too, to be inspired just to keep going. And one way people get that is actually by looking at other people's stories. So you know, listening and reading and watching about other people's stories, that's a good form of mentorship. That'll get you, though, to the inspiration stage. In other words, that'll give you some encouragement to keep going. That's sometimes very important. Um, that's assuming you've got, you know, reasonable content in the first place. So you can you can get some inspiration from uh, listening to various people, so the TEDx talks. Hopefully this podcast gives you some inspiration. Um, but inspiration is only short term. It doesn't last a long time. Um, that, that inspiration's got to come from within, from within you as well. And sometimes as an adjunct to your own strength and drive, listening to someone else's story about times when they were doing it tough and they picked themselves up and kept going, that can help. But mentorship in that regard is, uh, you know, you find that online or you, you, know, you, you go to talks, you listen to people at talks, or you turn up to seminars, listen to people at seminars, etc. Um, but real depth of mentorship, in other words, helping someone become better at their business requires a lot of time and effort and I find it very difficult. I, I never had anybody who did that for me. I never found a mentor. Now, in hindsight, I can say to you, tell you stories about what Kerry Packer told me and my experiences with various other people I've been involved with in, in my business life, but it's more in hindsight because at the time, I didn't realise uh, what they were saying to me um, and there was some sort of... Uh, you know, level of, uh, um, it was in the back of my mind what they were saying to me, but I was actually, I wasn't sort of purposefully using what they're telling me to do to do at the time. Like Kerry Packer gave me those three questions. I've, I've, I've often been through those three questions, but I didn't realise at the time that those three questions were um, actually driving my business. Well, the answer to those three questions were, were driving my business. So mentorship's a weird thing. Um, uh, it, I think it's probably best gotten from listening to other people's stories. That's my view. And if you really want a mentor, let's take the word mentor away and just call it this person advisor. Um, the young lady who asked the question, when do I set up an advisory board? An advisor or an advisory board that may be more than one person is probably the best form of so-called mentorship you can get. And those advisors should be asking you questions all the time. Just continually ask questions. It could be your father, it could be your mother, it could be your brother, it could be your wife, it could be your sister, it could be your husband could be a colleague. It doesn't have to be Kerry Packer. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be, you know, Bill Gates or whatever. It, 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 you, you don't 
don't try to get these sorts of situations that are impossible to get. Um, they're not because these people don't have time. Um, they might be able to give you some inspiration and, as I said, some stories about things that they've done for themselves. But probably the best mentors or the so-called advisors are the people who are closest to you who know you and start to challenge you. You need to be challenged. You need to be given goals. You need to someone to challenge your goals and someone to ask you the tough questions and the hard questions. So find that person, whoever that person is, and it could well be your partner, the person you're sitting next to right now in the lounge room listening to this podcast, watching television with. Give them a chance. Give them a go. And I'm not here to have a go at CBA, but I've seen some ads um, recently where they say even Jamie Oliver has a mentor. Um, Well, what does that mean? Like who 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 of us can be aspire to be Jamie Oliver? I mean, not Jamie Oliver's got a mentor because he's Jamie Oliver, not because of any other reason. You know, you know, if you're a punter out there and you've got a new idea and you're trying to get it up. You're not Jamie Oliver. You're not going to get a mentor like Jamie Oliver's got one. So I just think the ad is a nonsense. And mentor, uh, what does this guy do for Jamie Oliver? Does he tell him how to cook or does he pat him on the back and say what a wonderful guy he is or how great, how well he's done? Or I mean, is it someone who's uh, part of your cheerleader squad or is it someone who's actually doing something for you? Um, I go back to the very point that I made earlier. Irrespective of whether Jamie Oliver has a mentor or not, I go back to my point earlier. The best person is your mentor is the person who knows you best. And there's probably someone who's right in front of you. So I'm trying to look for, for Jamie Oliver's mentor. You're not going to get him. Look for the person standing right next to you and who knows you best. Probably the person who's asking the most annoying questions and probably the person you're saying, well, what would you know? Well, it's not what they know. It's the question they're asking you. It's what you know. You need to be asked the question. That's the point. That's the best mentor you're going to find. Ask Mark. Tweet Mark with your questions at Mark Boris. M-A-R-K-B-O-U-R-I-S. Okay, I, I often get asked one of my favourite movies, um, and I, I often ask people what are their favourite movies, and uh, one of my... and I've got lots of them, and they, they sort of change from year to year. Um, well, they get added to from year to year. One of my favourites right now is American Sniper. I saw American Sniper on an aeroplane on the way to uh, Singapore recently, Um and I thought it's, it's not a favourite movie, but I think it's a great movie. And the reason why I think it's great because it resonated with me. I think that's why most of us pick movies. I mean, they resonate, something about it resonates with me. Now, it wasn't a humorous one, it wasn't a comedy. Um, and what, what I thought was very interesting about American Sniper is this. Um, uh, the overall concept was that if you're at war long enough, it changes you. In other words, war changes us. And I think there's probably neuro- neurological reasons why that. If you're in the in the war, in the battle, day in, day out, um, your brain starts to change and starts to make itself hardened, becomes battle-hardened. And as a result of that, when you come back into the society where society is not battle-hardened, you're, you stand out and you're, you are different to everybody else. And it's very difficult for you to change back to where you were prior to going to war. So American Sniper is about a guy who goes to war and becomes war-hardened and as a result, or changed, war changes you. Now, why it resonated with me is I think, and why I think it's important to talk about now is that I think business changes you. I think particularly if you're a small business owner, you're at war. You're at war the whole time. And war is basically about... A general war is basically about me taking your territory or you taking my territory. I mean, we're all trying to take territory. I mean, the world is always at war because one's trying to take territory away from another. 
Now, it doesn't have to, it can be intellectual territory, it can be physical territory, ground, it can be emotional territory, it can be religious territory, it doesn't matter. It's still taking territory from somebody, it's taking market share from someone. Now, what we do in business is we're taking market share from someone. So, in my business, Yellow Brick Road, um, I'm trying to take territory from the banks. So, it's a war. And you go about it in a warlike manner. Now, in war, all sorts of atrocities occur. In business, all sorts of atrocities occur. And those atrocities over time change you. And, it may, and it's very, very difficult to get the right balance in your life because outside of the war, you have other relationships. You have relationships with your family, you have relationships with your friend, you have relationships with society. So what the American sniper is sort of saying is that those relationships can suffer and more importantly, the sniper himself suffers the most and didn't realise it. And I think the same happens in business. People are coming at you all the time in business. You know, you're trying to get the territory from them. They're putting a whole lots of roadblocks to stop you from doing it. They're trying to kneecap you wherever they possibly can. They put all sorts of um, impediments in your way. They challenge you with things that would shock you. And as re- if you do it for long enough... Um, you become hardened. And to some extent, a lot of business owners just find it difficult to fit into society. And that's what business does, which is one of the reasons why the federal government should be actually doing more to encourage business owners, which is why the reason why I'm saying before, it's not fair that the shark tank attacks the shit out of people because these poor buggers are in there trying to do their best to survive a war. And they walk in there and they get hammered again. And that's a good example of the, atroc- uh, the atrocities I'm talking about. These atrocities of people actually putting you down because you're in there trying to promote your small business. Shark Tank is putting people down. An American sniper, he was being put down. Equally, the Americans are trying to put down the enemy as well. So it's quite an interesting movie to watch. I, I, it resonated with me and I just, you know, I, I, I feel for small business owners and business owners who don't get an opportunity to step back and actually build some some perspective about what they're doing, what they're thinking and seeing and experiencing on a day-to-day basis. Mark, there's a great line in the movie where uh, the sniper's wife says to him, he's back from one of the tours of, of Iraq, and she says, I need you to be human again. And you said something similar before, that sometimes when you're, you're entrenched in the business, you come away and to, you need to rehumanise. I think that's right, and uh, I mean, I... I I experience it all the time, but the funny thing is about I find it difficult just to actually do it. I mean, I, and I think, I don't know how, how the hell you do it. I mean, I, I know that I am like that and I think, and I'm talking about it, I know other business owners, I know people who get like this um, and everyone has different techniques of doing it. Um, for me, probably the best way for me to rehumanise myself or, or get back in touch with the real world is actually go get involved, do something in nature, like to get back to the to the beach, or go to the go to the forest, or go into my farm, or just be just be close to nature. You know, walk through the botanical gardens, whatever it is. And you've got to actually build these things up. Um, it's not going to the gym, you know, because gym actually is part of the war. I mean, you're in there, everyone's pumping iron, throwing things around, and you know, everyone's looking good. And that, that's actually that's actually feeds it a little bit. That's part of the war. I think it's. Going back to where there's no noise, no traffic, you know, where it smells nice, it looks nice, it's beautiful. You know, beauty, beauty in nature is sort of important to me anyway and I think different people do different things. Kids do it to me. They completely disarm. They disarm you. So 
last week, two weeks ago, what I did is uh, I took my godson to, to the movies. And it was so cool. I had a great time. Um, and because, uh, you know, the, the innocence of children is really, really, really um, levelling, yeah. very good. So, you know, I think um, most business owners probably had, have had similar experiences. But, you know, then again, the next day I was back into the war and, uh, you know, I forgot everything I did the day before. But, I mean, I guess I had, you know, some relief and some uh, um, balance put back into my head and, uh, and I, you know, I felt good for that particular day. I, I, I do remember it quite well. Johnny uh, was terrific. That's my godson. Um, yeah, so uh, rehumanising nature, beauty of nature, gentleness, uh, you know, those sorts of things. I think they're, they're the important things to rehumanise you and take you away from the hardness of life, business life, that is. I mean, I think what, happen, I mean, what happens when I go to Byron Bay is uh, I get really tired all of a sudden and I, I like, I don't even feel like exercising and, and, and I, like, I've got a little gym there and everything like that and the funny thing about it is I, I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe there's some sort of magnetic force in there because there's an old volcano which where my place is and on top of it and, uh, and I think maybe there's some sort of magnetic force there that sort of drains energy from me or whatever. But um, actually I think the reason is because I, I, there's no stimu- nothing there to stimulate me. I'm not getting stimulated. I'm not jumping up in, you know, 6 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning doing a podcast. I'm not racing to the coffee shop. I'm not racing to the gym. I slow right down. And because there's no stimulation, my body doesn't has nothing to respond to. And I think what happens is your adrenaline drops right off and you just feel relaxed all of a sudden. And uh, and it's, you are you, the reason you feel tired is because you actually are tired and you're not sort of falsely pushing your buttons with your own adrenaline. You're actually giving your body a chance to recover. So, you know, like, and you just said a few minutes ago, Nick, you know, the coolest thing, you just walk down the beach and dive in the sea. You, but you've got to be there to do it. It's just getting there. That's it. That's the hard part. Because we've always got many excuses why I'm oh, too busy, can't go. You know, I'm the worst at it. I mean, but I'm, here I am talking about it, and, and I, I still don't do it. But, but I, I know what I should do, and, and then that's what that's why the movie American Sniper resonated with me. Okay, keep your questions flowing to my Twitter account at Mark Boris or email mb at markboris.com.au. Next week, Eagle's Nest, we start. We start encouraging, nurturing, talking to, listening to, advising, helping people um, to do better in business and to reach their hopes and dreams. Thanks very much. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.